Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Levins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Friday, January 19th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to our March for Life edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverns and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It is great to be with you here early this morning on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Now this morning, we're going to talk about the issue of life with a outstanding lineup of national pro-life leaders uh, from the 51st annual National March for Life in Washington, D.C. Only the second march since Roe v. Wade was overturned uh, back in 2022 on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And as always, we always do this on Fridays. We take a moment to remember the Sacred Heart of Jesus as well as the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. I also want to remind you right off the bat that with the March for Life uh, going on in Washington, D.C. again this year. Relevant Radio is inviting you to fast for life in solidarity with the marchers. Take an active part in the march from your home, from your office, wherever you may be, uh, praying and fasting for the protection of the unborn. you can tell us uh, how you'll be uh, participating uh, today, and keep in mind that it is not uh, too late at relevantradio.com slash fast. That's relevantradio.com slash fast. And uh, be sure uh, to share it uh, with everyone you know on social media, the hashtag, uh, hashtag fast for life. want to bring in uh, Glenn and Sarah. Hey, Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines on this Friday morning? Well, John, keeping an eye on the run-up to the New Hampshire primary coming up Tuesday, first primary in the nation on the Republican side where the battle is. Uh, The latest average of polling has former President Donald Trump at 47 percent, Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor, at 33.9 percent, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at 5.2, leaving about 15 percent undecided at this point. A whole slate of folks who dropped out that earlier had qualified for that, and so campaigning continues over the weekend. And in Congress, the House passed a bill Thursday that would prevent a partial government shutdown, keep things going through early March. The Senate vote was 77 to 18, and the House vote 314 to 108. So things will not grind to a halt this weekend. As expected, they always seem to find a way to get it done. Yeah, they absolutely do. Uh, Meanwhile, the other uh, big story from a uh, a pro-life and a Catholic perspective is uh, the 51st annual March for Life uh, that is going on in Washington, D.C. What is uh, the latest, Glenn? Well, kind of a rally early this morning there, and the official rally at noon uh, in the National Mall, and the uh, marchers get rolling about 1 o'clock this afternoon. Speakers at the rally include uh, someone up your alley, right, former athlete, uh, former NFL tight end Benjamin Watson will be there, Speaker of the House. Uh, Mike Johnson will be there as well. Uh, U.S. Representative Chris Smith on the the lineup. Some big Protestant names there, too. The CEO of Focus on the Family, Jim Daly, Pastor Greg Laurie as well. And uh, singer Danny Gokey will be doing a bit of a a concert with his band at 11 this morning. He was uh, on season eight of American Idol, three-time Grammy nominee as well. Just 
some of the names speaking out for life in Washington today. And, of course, we'll have coverage throughout the day and especially a big focus this morning on Morning Air. Absolutely. Uh, as uh, lots of uh, buses, lots of young people converging on uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, for this uh, big uh, march. And the theme this year is with every woman for every child, uh, with the, the focus on the need to care for both mothers and children during the nine months of pregnancy and the years after. So uh, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's, uh, you know, it's very ecumenical, as you just mentioned, you know, from people from all different denominations and so appropriate here in this uh, week for uh, in which we pray for Christian unity. Um, and I know that uh, our listeners uh, are uh, very much involved uh, praying and fasting. Uh, Sarah, how are some of our relevant radio listeners uh, participating in our fast for life? Yeah, John, we've got over 2,500 people um, listening to Relevant Radio um, who've already signed up, if, you know, from all the different states. Uh, hashtag fast for life. There's still time if you want to go to relevantradio.com and sign up today. Some examples of things that people are kind of giving up. We have people uh, fasting from sweets, you know, their specialty drinks. Uh, they're uh, fa- fasting from coffee or YouTube, different um, social media networks. And, you know, depending on who you are, that can be extremely challenging to give up one of these things, if not more than one. So um, whatever you're able to do, maybe pray a little bit more today, sacrificing maybe some of the time you would do one particular activity to focus on uh, what's happening today. Now's the time to do it. Relevantradio.com, hashtag fast for life. And uh, all 50 states are represented, and we have uh, folks from even many different parts of the country, from the United Kingdom, Australia. I saw that uh, the Philippines... Yeah, no, we've got people from even, yeah, across the world, Brazil, Germany. So, hey, if you're listening somewhere else, you can, there's no limit. You can fast for life anywhere, and today is a great day to do it. And obviously, all of us cannot be there in Washington uh, at the March for Life. I've been blessed to be at many marches uh, over the years. And so uh, it's it's a wonderful event. Obviously, the focus is a little bit different now uh, that uh, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. But the, the battle continues because there's still a lot of work to be done at the state level. And uh, I think the, the end game is uh, to make abortion unthinkable, guys. And at the state level, too, just to add, uh, we have a lot of listeners, of course, in the Minnesota area. And uh, in St. Paul, Monday, the Minnesota March for Life goes on at noon, preceded by a, a prayer service at the uh, Cathedral of St. Paul at 1030 Monday morning. So for our Twin City and Minnesota listeners, I know there's lots of buses headed toward the state capitol uh, there this coming Monday. Well, let's not uh, forget the power of prayer, and that's how we uh, begin every single uh, program, uh, always in prayer. And this morning, we're going to pray a memorari for life, uh, for an end to abortion in our country, and we pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and patroness of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, 
pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts and our minds this morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Every life is special. Every life has a purpose. The Lord knew you before you were conceived. The Lord knew you by your name when you were born and your specific mission in life. We always have to remember that God is the author of life, and human life must be protected from the first moment of conception until he calls us home. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer from the chaplet of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. As always, you can send us an email directly if you have anything on your mind, any thoughts or story ideas you want to share with us. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, of course, today in Washington, D.C., and this weekend and in many uh, cities across our nation, in fact, uh, in San Francisco, you have the West Coast Walk for Life. Uh, Thousands of people are marching and uh, walking and some even running for life. Joining us live from uh, the March for Life in our nation's capital is Dr. Pat Castle, the president and founder of Life Runners, the world's largest pro-life team with much more on encouraging young and uh, big ones to run for life. Good morning, Dr. Pat. Uh, thanks so much uh, for being with us bright and early here uh, on this Friday morning from D.C. Good morning, John. Hey, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, I know you were uh, heavily involved in uh, yesterday's uh, uh, Summit for Life. How did that go? The Law of Life Summit, it's a great event, John. You might remember how we do kind of a, a hot mic. We're about one to two minutes per speaker, and it goes for an hour. So it's, you know, it's just doing the math. You know, you've got 25-plus speakers that roll through in an hour from different pro-life organizations um, under a lot of them under the law theme, which is the theme of the law of life summer. And before row ended, we had our theme was beyond row. So here we are, we're beyond row. So it's it interesting to hear all the different perspectives of the pro-life organizations beyond row and at the state level and all the, the good fights that are happening there. And then we mix in some media we have a couple panels, but it was just a great many parts, but one body, unity, bringing people together. And as a retired Air Force guy, I call it a purple suit event. And purple is the color when you mix all the colors of the military service uniforms, you get purple. So we had Navy with the all hands on deck theme going. We had Army in the rear with the gear or army strong at air force aim high at marine corps semper fi which means always faithful so you really had this you know defending life feeling in the room with all those representatives it sounds like a like a wonderful day. I know my my wife was plugged in and watching a, a lot of uh, of uh, the coverage uh, yesterday. Uh, Doctor Pat, sure. of course, you are a veteran of uh, these uh, March for Lives over the years, <laughs> and uh, even marathons for life. Um, why uh, running and marching for life? You bet. So James chapter one verse twenty two, we are implored to not just be hearers of the word but to be doers of the word. And I like that you proclaimed Jeremiah 1.5 this morning, John, 
which of course is emblazoned on every life runner's jersey. Our jersey on the back says, remember the unborn with Jeremiah 1.5 right below it to defend and speak up and just really promote life. And on the front, there's a big cross with a Holy Spirit dove. And then just under the arm of the cross, again, is Jeremiah 1.5 reminding us. And I just like to remind all life runners and life runner wannabes a couple things. First of all, the maybe the best news, running is optional. <laughs> so the second news is like you said, there's all different ways to put your faith in action and to be doers of the word. Uh, you know, whether you're just simply walking out your front door with a shirt that says, remember the unborn on the back and the Trinity on the front. There's the cross, the Holy Spirit dove and Jeremiah 1.5, which was God the Father speaking to young Jeremiah, who was kind of arguing with God, kind of disagreeing with God. If you read that whole chapter and kind of saying to God, hey, I'm, I'm too young for this mission. And then God, of course, said, Jeremiah, come on. It doesn't matter that we figured that maybe Jeremiah was like a teenager. It doesn't matter that you're a teenager. You absolutely can still march for life. So what a great message this morning for all the marchers, young and old. We do what we can do, whether you're that homebound life runner wearing a shirt that says, remember the unborn and witnessing to your caregivers coming to your home or your family members and friends and neighbors, or you're someone who got on a bus from some city in our country, traveled all night, got you know dropped off at the Westin Hotel at the expo yesterday with the sleepy eyes, walking around the expo going, wow, and receiving that encouragement to march for life today. Dr. Pat, uh, there are some folks who even question whether there should be a, a march for life uh, since Roe was overturned uh, 18 m months ago. Why uh, must we continue to march for life? Why are you marching today? And right. why do you think it's important uh, that the members of Congress see the march, especially in this election uh, year? The march for life really is representative of the age-old reality of fallen man, of uh, Satan saying, hey, I want to go my own way. And really, we know that that ultimately results in death. You know, disobedience to God ultimately ends in death. And so this notion of why we need to keep marching for life is because God, being pro-God is being pro-life. God is for life. God gave us life. Uh, God provides for us, give us this day our daily bread, sustains us. You know, we are nothing without God. Everything belongs to God. And so there's a humility and a recognition of the reality of our reality that we were created. And so to march for life is to march for God, is to march for our true identity. And so we'll always walk, run, march, bike, uh, you know, skip, you know, be, be joyful. Uh, skip for life, will always proclaim life because that proclaims our reality that we were created and we're grateful. So yes, until the end of time, we will, we will march for life and we'll celebrate life. Dr. Pat, can you give us a sense of what the atmosphere has been the last couple of days and uh, yes. your thoughts leading in, into uh, the, the march uh, later uh, today there in D.C.? Yes. So you definitely, you had mentioned, you know, on June 24th, 2022, when Roe was overturned, a great victory, you know, that has allowed the states to defend life, make laws 
to defend life. And it, and it's a, it's an awesome, wonderful thing to celebrate. But you can see that there's been, uh, you know, that division of effort, that there's been a lot more effort that's pointed at the state level. And even just the two dates now, you know, we've, we've got 22 January, which was the row date that's now been overturned. And now we have 24 June, which uh, is the date that row was overturned. And so you can kind of see that division of effort here that um, there's not quite as much, you know, as many people flowing through. But there's still a lot, John. I mean, yesterday, you know, you still have a, a big ballroom filled with pro-life uh, organizations, as I mentioned earlier, encouraging the people walking through, young and old. And so the energy's good. I mean, these are wonderful people of God uh, defending life. So, for example, just to run the numbers for life runners, uh, we crossed over 23,000 life runners in the world yesterday. We signed up over a hundred new life runners. Is that a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal to have one more person that's willing to put on a shirt that says, remember the unborn. And does that matter? You bet it matters. You and I have visited about how that social science stat, 78% of post-abortion women said that if they had just one person encourage them to choose life or one sign encouraging them to choose life, they wouldn't have chosen abortion. So life runners are that encouraging, are a encouraging, encouraging person with an encouraging sign, um, helping mothers go, oh, they're gonna do exactly what that shirt says, to remember the unborn while the world is working on dismembering the unborn. People of faith, people of God are working on remembering the unborn. And so 100 new life runners across 23,000, we handed out over 500 Remember the Unborn posters for the for people to carry today. We uh, put over a thousand one-inch Remember the Unborn stickers on cell phones yesterday. And you know, I want to get tell one little story about that, John, that people get a kick out of. But it does give a reality of what it's going to take to end abortion. There was this young lady, you know, probably like a junior, senior in high school. And she she wanted a little one inch. Remember the unborn sticker. But it was really just tough for her to think about putting that little sticker on her nice, clean, pretty phone case. And and so I just said, OK, let me, I just want you to consider this. Matthew chapter twenty five forty. Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of my brothers and sisters, you do for me. And then I asked her, I said, would you. Would you put a little sticker on the back of your phone case if you knew that it really would, people seeing it, it really would encourage them to choose life. And it really could give a little baby a birthday. Would you make that sacrifice for God and for and for the, the unborn? And that young lady said, yes, I'll do that. And so she put it on and then she said, every time I look at this sticker, I'm going to remember that I put God first in his precious unborn. I'm like, wow. Great story. So that happened. It, For yeah. sure. <laughs> you know, I can't help but but think of uh, the 65 million plus unborn babies that have died mm. since Roe v. Wade. We can never forget yeah. uh, that number. And I, it ties into the theme for this year's uh, National March for Life, with every yes. woman, for every child. So we love 
the mothers and the the children. And yes. your, your thoughts here is uh, we're uh, uh, running out of time. Okay. Well, the theme with every woman for every child, we remember that, golly, it's not even to take one more step, John, it's, it's for every father, for every family, 90% of relationships end when an abortion enters in. And so this idea, this big, there's so many lies surrounding abortion. Abortion itself is a lie. It's the solution and nothing. It's the biggest problem by the numbers. But to think that women go to abortion facilities thinking they're going to save their relationship. And in reality, it, it ends 90% of relationships. So what we do today is we march, we walk, we run, we step out our front doors, we proclaim truth, and we cheer God's people forward with encouragement to choose life. And I want to take a moment to do the cheer at the end of this. So if we can carve out a, a few seconds here at the end, John. Let's make it quick. Go ahead. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to give an all in Christ and all of God's people listening, give a loud and thunderous for pro-life to encourage the world to choose life. So here we go. All in Christ. For pro-life. All in Christ. For pro-life. All in Christ. For pro-life. Awesome. Praise be Jesus Christ. Uh, Dr. Pat, uh, thank you so much, uh, as always, for joining us from the March for Life. Thank you, John. God bless. Many blessings to you. Dr. Pat Castle, the president and founder of Life Runners, the world's largest pro-life team. We need to take a short break. When we come back, Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students for Life of America, will join us live from the March for Life in Washington, D.C. to talk about the National Pro-Life Summit and the defense of life at the college campuses. So stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Friday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to our March for Life edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's great to be with you on this Friday morning. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Now, the theme for this year's 51st annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. is With Every Woman for every child. It focuses on the need to care for both mother and child during all the nine months of pregnancy and the many years thereafter. This year's March for Life is only the second March since the overturning of Roe be weighed. In fact, I want to take you back uh, to that uh, historic day, June 24th, 2022, nearly 18 months ago, and the scene in front of the Supreme Court when uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade was announced by our next guest and our friend, Kristen Hawkins. Give me. Life is pro-woman, 
It gives me chills. Uh, what a huge uh, historic moment uh, for the unborn, but there is still a lot of work to be done and many challenges as well. Joining us live from the March for Life in Washington, D.C. for much more perspective is Morning Air contributor Kristen Hawkins herself, the president of Students for Life of America and Students for Life Action. Kristen is a Catholic Christian, a wife, a mother, a grassroots activist, author, speaker, and a human rights advocate who has coordinated a national team that serves over 1,400 Students for Life chapters in all 50 states and has trained well over 180,000 young people. Good morning, Kristen. Thank you so much for being up early uh, to be with us here uh, this morning from uh, D.C. and another March for Life. It is uh, so good to be with you once again. Thanks for having me, and thank you for the uh, tearful reminder of uh, what we are here to do is to finish our mission, right, to abolish abortion in our lifetime. No question about it. Uh, what goes through your mind when you hear that moment? And, uh, you know, it, it was such a big moment, and yet it, the reality here 18 months later is that there's still so much work to be done. Um, it's an overwhelming uh, sensation, a feeling to know that, you know, we've been able, as this post-Roe uh, generation, uh, to play a part, um, to play a part in seeing Roe reversed. And now being the ones on the ground, on campuses, our churches, and our communities, um, to get the job done. And the work, uh, the, the mighty work uh, that is truly before us, it's, um, there's a lot of responsibility. And I think that was one of the feelings I walked away with that day on June 24th, uh, 2022, after announcing the decision, was that you know, the heavy responsibility that now comes before all of us. Uh, who are pro-life, who are Christians, uh, to stand up, to speak out, to get involved, to serve uh, locally and in our states and in in Washington, D.C., to be the advocates, you know, for those who have no voice. And that's what we're doing here today, John. We're we're gathering at the March for Life to say, hey, the job isn't done. Uh, There's more that we have to do. Our National Pro-Life Summit, which is sold out tomorrow, uh, here in Washington, D.C., where many of the students are going to get trained that come to the march. You know, our, our theme is equal rights for all, born and pre-born. And we're going to be speaking with all the students at the summit and young people uh, who gather to talk about what we must do to secure once and for all equal rights uh, for every child, every person in our Constitution. Uh, and that's a lot of work. And I think it's, you know, uh, it's not going to come without challenges, and we've certainly seen, I think, our fair share of challenges in the pro-life movement this year. Um, but I think today is a reminder that we are one in the body of Christ. Uh, we are called to speak up, to advocate, uh, no matter, you know, elections as they come and go, uh, no matter, you know, the media narrative that's spun untruthfully about us, um, no matter the the suppression, the First Amendment violations, the threats of violence that are against us, we gather every year to speak for those who have no voice. We gather every year to remember those who we've lost in our generation to the violence of abortion uh, and the abuse of their mothers. Uh, We gather there here to mourn them. Um, But I think we also gather to uh, steal our resolve. Um, I had somebody tell me yesterday, this is like my, this is my pro-life tune-up when I come to the March for Life every year uh, to remind me why we, why we do this fight. It's why it's so important that 
uh, our diocese, our Catholic schools across the nation uh, really continue to send their young people here to March Live. I was pretty upset last night. I was speaking with a group of students from Michigan uh, in, our, in the lobby here. The kids had me up all night coming in, and they want to talk and take pictures. And uh, a group of students said, oh, this is so exciting, but we're sad because we were, we were just told that we're not our school and our diocese isn't sending us back here next year. Um, and so they asked, can you send an angry letter? <laughs> uh, uh, and that's what I promised them to do, of really trying to uh, have a conversation uh, with our Catholic leaders across America to keep sending our young people here to Washington, D.C. Because, John, this is where the pro-life generation was made. This is where the seeds of truth were planted. This is where young people's hearts, you know, 85% of our team at Students for Life, uh, they've, they all committed their lives to, the, to ending abortion. It was here at the March for Life. And so today, I've been praying and fasting this week for all of these young kids who are coming in today by the busload, who are exhausted, who are going to be very might, you know, cold in the snow, uh, that their lives are transformed. Uh, and then they will join us uh, in, in abolishing abortion because we need them. Kristen, what is, was, is your sense of uh, how important uh, this year's march is, the, the second one after uh, Roe was overturned, uh, especially in this election year where the issue of abortion uh, has been uh, front and center? I think, it's, I think it's extremely important to show uh, our nation's leaders. Uh, I was up on, uh, up on Capitol Hill yesterday um, and, you know, I was having conversations with them about what now we must do, what we require of them, uh, that we're, that we're the demanding that they do. You know, they've run as pro-lifers, taken money from pro-life voters to run for office. We've door knocked for them. Now is not the time uh, to back away from the issue of life simply because uh, a couple of elections did not go our way, in which we were massively outspent and um, lies and mistruths were spread in states about uh, these ballot referendums. Now is the time uh, to be resolved uh, and to move forward with courage. And I think that's why it was so important, you know, coming to the marches um, will fill you up as a pro-life activist. Uh, but I'm hoping and I'm praying it fills up our leaders on Capitol Hill and our state elected officials who've now just gone back to office. Um, and I'm praying it shows uh, America uh, in the news articles and the pictures of of, of our work and what we do today, uh, we'll see that they know we're not going away, which, by the way, John, is what infuriates uh, Planned Parenthood and the other side uh, so much is that they can't seem to shake us. Well, Kristen, uh, it's providential uh, that the Speaker of uh, the House of Representatives, uh, Mike Johnson, will be uh, one of uh, of the many outstanding speakers. And I understand uh, that the uh, pro-life generation is also being represented this year uh, with a young speaker at at the march. Yeah, we we couldn't be more proud of our Students for Life President Dominic uh, at Penn State University. They have an incredible Students for Life group. I've had the privilege of speaking there uh, on campus and taking the students out to dinner for the past couple of years. Uh, So I I cannot wait to see Dominic up on that stage representing all of us in the pro-life generation. Um, I can't wait to see all the beautiful, joyful, smiling faces of young, these young kids who truly, uh, they aren't here uh, uh, to force 
um, our opinions on anyone, no matter what people like to say, uh, we're here to love. And we're here to, to love women, to love children, to love families. And we're here to serve and love them with our whole heart and tell them the truth about the violence of abortion, how abortion doesn't solve your problems, how abortion uh, simply you know, leaves you uh, missing a child uh, still in the despair you, you found yourself in when you walked into that Planned Parenthood or abortion facility. Tell us a little bit more about uh, the annual National Pro-Life Summit that will be going on uh, tomorrow. I've been blessed to have attended a few of them in the past. They're always outstanding. I know you have uh, a great lineup again this year. Yes, we're sold out here at the Grand Hyatt. Folks can actually watch it live tomorrow all day from the main stage. You can go to prolifesummit.org. You can sign up to watch the live stream. I'll be speaking at 9.30 a.m., delivering kind of a marching order speech for our pro-life generation, where we must move forward, where we're going uh, as 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 a movement of young people. And then I'll be interviewing Vice President Mike Pence. We have Dr. Alveda King. Uh, in the evening, our final speaker will be Fox and Friends' and Rachel Campos-Duffy. Uh, it's going to be an amazing all-star lineup. I'm so excited for the summit. Uh, and one of the reasons I'm so excited for the summit is, is, is uh, sleeping in the next room right now uh, is my fit, almost 15-year-old son, Gunner. <laughs> um, uh, and I've talked a lot about him over the years with you, John, and uh, with all the folks at Relevant. Uh, but this will be his first march for life out of utero. Uh, so I am, I am so excited. I was just, he was sleeping just about 20 minutes ago. I was praying over him that today would transform his life and he'd see what the family business of saving lives is all about. Well, it is such a blessing to hear that. And uh, uh, Kristen, I, I know that uh, uh, this is really a continuation of what's going on uh, w- uh, with uh, your National Pro-Life Summit of what you call this uh, pro-life tune-up. It really is opportunity for these young people to learn and to get further educated, to get further enthusiastic uh, uh, of, about the importance of, of life. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, this is where the pro-life generation is made. It's why I was so, you know, disheartened when those kids told me yesterday from Michigan that they weren't coming back next year. Um, because we know, you know, when we go on campuses, when I started going on campuses 18 years ago to start students for life groups and identify pro-life students who would share my vision of, of getting active on campus to speak out, to save women, to change policies, to change minds, um, this, I was able to benefit, and the whole Students for Life organization has benefited from the seeds that have plant, been planted at the March for Life in the hearts of these young people that abortion is wrong, and that they are in the majority, not the minority, and that they're called as Christians. They're called to be Christ's hands and feet. And so when, I, when I'm able to meet them, uh, my team's able to meet them now on campuses. Uh, all we're able to do is to show them the way, you know, light the way for them on how to do this work. Uh, and which is why the March for Life every year is so important because this is where our pro-life generation has been made and where it must continue to be made uh, in the decades as we continue on in this human rights movement uh, until we see an end of abortion. I loved your theme this past fall. I'm coming for your abortion access uh, for all those students on the college campuses. Tell us about a little bit briefly about that experience. 
Yes, uh, I tour on campuses every semester with a new theme. Uh, last semester was a little provocative, um, but we wanted to get, you know, pro-choice uh, students out. And, to, you know, so often campuses are a problem in the pro-life movement and even the conservative movement in general is that students of a different political persuasion or viewpoint just won't go and hear somebody different which is new in this generation, I would say. That was definitely not my generation. Um, so we have been, you know, basically uh, hosting speeches, educational tabletop plays where I go, and students can ask me any question they want about why I do what I do and why it's so important that we end the violence of abortion. And the conversations we have are incredible. And more importantly, even from those conversations, we video everything I do. We put them online. We don't spend any ad money. Uh, but those videos have been seen hundreds of millions of times. Uh, we The stories, the DMs that I get are just simply incredible of live saved. I have literally just a couple of weeks ago, I met a baby that was saved from one of my videos on campus uh, where people were shouting and screaming and cursing at me uh, by taking that, um, by standing firm, um, by answering all of the objections of, of the of pro-abortion arguments, which by the way, there's only about eight arguments they ever use, um, a life was saved. Uh, and there's so many more amazing stories I wish I could share with you, but I know we're out of time. Oh, Kristen, there's so much to talk about, so little time. Thank you so much for, for being with us uh, from the March for Life. Really appreciate it. Yes. I'll, I'll report back in soon. Thanks again. Morning Air contributor Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students for Life of America. And uh, we need to take a short pause when we come back. Bishop Daniel Muggenberg will look ahead to this Sunday's gospel for the third Sunday of Ordinary Time. Stay with us. There is uh, much more to come on this March for Life edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air on another Friday dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm John Morales. It's good to be with you. And now it's time to look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel. Always keep in mind that the Word of God in the Gospels, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, is powerful. When the Gospel, the Book Eternal, is proclaimed, Christ is passing by. Jesus is speaking to you. So listen carefully, folks, as Bishop Daniel Muggenberg, Bishop of Reno, Nevada, shares his weekly reflection on this Sunday's Gospel with our very own Glenn Leverance. A Gospel reading for the third Sunday at Ordinary Time comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. They abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little further and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. 
They too were in a boat mending their nets. He called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. And let's take a deeper look at that gospel reading for this coming Sunday, the third Sunday in Ordinary Time from Mark 1, verses 14 through 20. Joining us, as always, Bishop Daniel Muggenberg from Reno, Nevada. Bishop Muggenberg, thanks for being here. And good to be here, Glenn. Well, Jesus really uh, gets going with his ministry. He starts by recruiting some folks, and uh, we learn all about that call today. It is true, and Jesus really has a profound announcement that gains their attention. When he says the time of fulfillment is here, um, people would have immediately looked at him and said, are you serious? Because people were filled with that longing that God would do a tremendous work in the world. And that included everything from sending a prophet like Moses to establishing a new covenant with the people, as Jeremiah had prophesied, even that there would be a new temple and that the Messiah would be sent to gather the lost tribes. So all of that desire is captured when Jesus says, now is the time of fulfillment. Everything you've been hoping for, everything you've been praying for, everything that God has put as the deepest longing of your heart, now's the time of fulfillment. And so the disciples really responded to Jesus because of that profound announcement that he had made. The disciples were excited, and uh, one would think uh, so many would be if this indeed the word spread, that this this was the Messiah. And uh, like you said, the, the disciples who he called and you know supernaturally called as well, but were ready to spring to action. They were ready to drop what they had going on, and whether it be family, profession, the boats they were sitting in, and to, to follow Christ. And that's very true. You know, oftentimes we have a mistaken understanding that the disciples were just sitting around waiting for Jesus, you know, to enter their lives. But that's not true. The disciples were very busy people. Um, They had tons of things that they were managing. They had, you know, multiple responsibilities that they were facing. Their lives were very busy. And so the fact that Jesus is stepping into their lives in the middle of this busy moment um, says that the Lord is going to call them to let go of their previous preoccupations and previous priorities to respond to him in this moment. You know, sometimes that can appear to be inconvenient to us um, when the Lord steps into our lives in the midst of very busy days and suddenly asks us to do something for him, to, to be with him in a particular way. And yet that's how God issues that invitation. Oftentimes it's only in those moments of decision and conflicting priorities that our true priorities become evident to us and that we become real witnesses of faith in Jesus beyond everything else in our lives. Luckily, our Lord has patience with us. Uh, We don't often respond as quickly as those early disciples did. And is that something we should take heart that it's not uncommon or just compare ourselves to, hey, this is the real deal. We need to kind of get with it. We like to have both and. Uh, We like for the call of faith to be something that enhances our life, but not something that challenges our life, and especially not something that calls forth sacrifice. What we see in the disciples is that they readily readily embraced the sacrifices it required in order to follow Jesus. They left behind their boats and their nets, that 
represents their possessions, um, and they left behind their father in the boat. So that represents the relationships of their lives. And they're willing to leave behind everything in order to accept that invitation of our Lord. Certainly that was reflected in the lives of Christians of the first century during the age of persecution, when oftentimes they had to choose between their possessions or their profession of faith in Jesus. And if they weren't willing to make that sacrifice, then they couldn't be faithful disciples who remained committed to Jesus. And the same was sometimes true with their closest family relationships. And so the disciples are really serving as an inspirational example for us to be prepared for those moments of sacrifice and not surprised by them, but rather to recognize in them um, the very opportunity for us to profess our faith and our commitment to Jesus above everything else. Bishop Muggerberg, a key point, and I think very interesting, too, that while Jesus called these disciples away from the particular job they had at the time, he didn't call them to abandon the, their skills that they could bring to the table. That's very true. You know, Jesus recognized that, that as fishermen, that they had tremendous skills, talents, aptitudes that could really serve well in the mission of the gospel. And those skills included problem solving, creativity, perseverance, um, you know, all of those important qualities that Jesus knew would make them great disciples and great missionaries. And so Jesus wants them to bring all of those professional skills into their lives as disciples and put them at the service of the Lord so that they can share in the mission of the gospel and they can make it more, ever more effective in the world. And we will see them do that in the Acts of the Apostles and in other um, writings of the New Testament. We think, too, that this could have happened very quickly, but maybe a more realistic thought about it is that the the ground was fertile when uh, it came time for the Lord to call these men. And certainly the ground had been prepared by the prophets and, you know, by by the Holy Spirit-inspired prayers of the people. The, the time of Jesus was a time of expectation, anticipation, uh, we would say messianic hope. And so God had prepared the people to, you know, really, really be looking forward to this great moment. And I think that that tells us why they were so ready, because they were hungering for it. The reality is that sometimes we don't really know what it is that we're hungering for. But the Lord has put deep within each of our hearts a particular uh, space that, that was created for God alone. And our hearts are always going to be restless until they rest in God. And so when we experience that type of ordinary restlessness, God is going to satisfy it. And when we do recognize that, then we will seek God first and foremost. And we will look for that encounter and that communion, um, the very communion for which God created us. I would bet in the world of the priesthood, in the world of vocations, passages like this come up quite often when uh, helping uh, young men and young women, people looking at the religious life as well, to consider how God is calling them. That, that's very true, because many people, again, are surprised by the fact that following Jesus requires difficult sacrifices and difficult choices and clear priorities. And the reality is that, that you know, um, they expected that the disciples would be called without any other attachments in their lives or any other interests in their lives. But that's not how God works. You know, the disciples were, or these first disciples were ordinary men whom God called um, to live a life of extraordinary 
necessary grace. And it was their response to that that allowed them to cooperate with God's grace. And so for young people today, you know, I think it's important that they not be afraid to say yes to Jesus. Uh, The reality is that because we're human beings, we all have very natural attachments and interests and desires, but the supernatural gift of God's grace can fulfill us and strengthen us to live a life of heroic discipleship when we say yes to the Lord's invitation. So never be afraid, because Jesus doesn't take away anything from our lives, nor does he take away anything from our happiness, but he always fulfills us in a greater way um, than any sacrifice that we have made for him. There is great joy in obeying that call, and that call according to what we're equipped to do as well as he continues to help perfect us. Thank you so much for another great reflection, Bishop Muggenberg. If you'd be so kind as to wrap us up this week with your blessing. The Lord be with you. And may the blessing of God, who called the first apostles to follow Jesus, also ring true in our own hearts so that we might hear the Lord calling us every day, and we may have the same generosity and freedom that they had in responding to that call. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. And thank you, Bishop Muggenberg. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called The Auction. The upstate New York man was rich in almost every way. His estate was worth millions. He owned houses, land, antiques, and cattle. Though on the outside he had it all, he was very unhappy on the inside. His wife was growing old and the couple was childless. He'd always wanted a little boy to carry on the family legacy. Miraculously, his wife became pregnant in her later years and she gave birth to a little boy. The boy was severely handicapped, but the man loved him with his whole heart. When the boy was five, his mom died. The dad drew closer to his special son. At age 13, the boy's birth defects cost him his life, and the father died soon after from a broken heart. The estate was auctioned before hundreds of bidders. The first item offered was a painting of the boy. No one bid. They wanted and waited like vultures for the riches. Finally, the poor housemaid, who helped raise the boy, offered $5 for the picture and easily took the bid. To everyone's shock, the auctioneer ripped a handwritten will from the back of the picture. This is what it said. To the person who thinks enough of my son to buy this painting, to this person I give my entire estate. The auction was over. The greedy crowd walked away in shock and dismay. How many of us have sought after what we thought were true riches, only to find out later our father was prepared to give us his entire estate if we'd only sought after his son alone? From Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? As always, thanks so much, Glenn. I really do appreciate it. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air as we continue with our March for Life edition of the show, Eva Montaigne, the co-founder of the Walk for Life West Coast. She'll be with us to talk about this year's 20th anniversary walk and rally that is going on in San Francisco tomorrow. Plus, Abby Johnson, the former clinic director of Planned Parenthood and the founder of And Then There Were None, will be with us from our nation's capital, from Washington, D.C., to talk about her latest film, Unthinkable, and uh, about the abortion. 
abortion clinic workers who are transitioning out of the industry. So we have a whole lot more to talk about uh, next hour as uh, we continue with our March for Life edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app.